0: We meet today in Ephesians chapter 2 We are looking at the church as a temple And specifically the materials for temple construction That is verse 1 to verse 10 This chapter begins with the literal conjunction And so it is actually a continuation of the thought of the first chapter Where we talked of the church as the body Paul has been talking about that tremendous power that raised Jesus from the dead. We shall see that this power is the same power that made us, when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we were made alive in Christ Jesus. That takes power, my friend. It takes resurrection power. It is this power that so many of God's children want to experience. The power of God, which the epistle speaks of, is the power that God will release in the life of one who turns to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will lift that person out of spiritual death into spiritual life. Christ will show this power in the world, and he has decided to do that through his church, the body of Christ, which is the temple, in many ways, the church as a temple corresponds to the temple of the Old Testament, which was in turn preceded by the tabernacle of the wilderness. The comparison is actually self-evident. The contrasts are sharp and striking. The tabernacle and the temple, for instance, were made of living trees of acacia wood, that were hewn into dead bones in order to form the church god now takes dead material and makes it into a living temple the temple and the tabernacle were dwelling places for the glory of god the church is a dwelling place for the person of the holy spirit the temple and the tabernacle were for the performance of a ritual and the repetition of a sacrifice of sin the church is built upon one sacrifice of Christ in the historical past, a sacrifice which is not repeated. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 25 to verse 26 tells us, Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world, but now, once at the end of the ages he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself you see the church does not have a ritual actually the church is a functional organism in which the holy spirit moves through the living stones now the church is not only minus a temple ritual it is also not a temple made with hands Now, the impressive fact of the church age is that God is indwelling the individual believers. Notice the following verses, especially when we think of Acts chapter 17, verse 24 and 25. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands, as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. First Corinthians 6 verse 19 and 20 Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, which are God's. Now, I want to emphasize here that Israel never did believe that God was confined to the temple. You see, when Solomon was dedicating the temple, he prayed, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven of heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built. First Kings 8 verse 27 Now, You see, every instructed Israelite understood that God did not live in a temple or in a little box. God had told them that the temple was simply the place where he would meet with them. That is why they came to the temple with a sacrifice and a ritual. The church has none of that today. Now, another sharp contrast to the Old Testament temple is the position of the Gentiles in God's house. You will recall that the Gentiles had to come as proselytes and were confined to what was known as the court of the Gentiles. The court of the Gentiles was way off to the left as you enter into the temple. The Gentiles didn't get very close. That is why Paul says now in this chapter, particularly verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of christ you see my friend we who are Gentiles have been brought in very close we were far off in fact we are now seated in the heavenly places with christ jesus in christ jesus you just can't improve on that that is the wonderful news what are the materials for temple construction ephesians 2 verse 1 To verse 2 and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience now here is a literal translation of the verse especially verse 1 and you being dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the age or the spirit of the age you can talk of secularism the course the principle of this world the world there is the cosmos society civilization according to the prince of the power authority of the air you can talk of the haze the smog and that is the spirit who works or who energizes the sons or the children of disobedience and we are told he made alive you who were dead in trespasses and sins that is according to secularism that is according to the way of the world you see you walked according to the course of this world or the spirit of the age It is talking of according to secularism, according to the way the world, or according to the principle of this world. The world does not mean the physical universe. It means the cosmos, the society, civilization, or pattern of life, lifestyle, that which is of the world today. Then according to the prince of the power of the air, you see the devil takes This dead material, we are dead in our trespasses, in our sins, and he energizes us actually. People who have no strength when they are in the hands of the enemy have incredible strength. False religionists put us to shame actually in their zeal. Satan is energizing them. Satan is even able to duplicate many of the miracles that are scriptural miracles. After all, Weren't the magicians of Egypt able to duplicate the first miracles performed by Moses? Of course, the latter uh, miracles they could not duplicate. When man gets into the realm of the new birth and the closeness to God, then Satan become powerless against him. But he is potent today to delude and to deceive and to lead astray people. He is potent today in the cults and false isms of the world. So, even when you see many of the miracles that may be performed, know that Satan can take this dead material of people who are lost in sin, dead in sin and trespasses, and he gives them power. He energizes them. Ephesians 2 verse 3, Among whom also... We all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Now, in chapter 1, Paul had been talking about salvation, and he picked up the theme of the mighty greatness of his power in verse 19. This is the power that quickens all, that gives life to dead sinners. Now here in chapter 2 verse 1, he says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. That speaks of the death of Adam, which is imputed to us. Romans 5 verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. My friend, Adam's sin made us the sons of a fallen man, And we all have the same nature that Adam had. It is a fallen nature with no capacity or inclination to God. Adam died spiritually the day that he disobeyed God and disbelieved him. He ran away from God and tried to hide. He wasn't looking for God. That is the position of natural man today. Adam lost his capacity and longing for God. He was separated from God after all my friend death is separation all death is separation physical death is separation of the spirit and the soul from the body when someone dies we don't see the separation of the spirit and the soul we see only the dead body spiritual death is a separation from god after man sinned he could go on living physically and mentally But he was spiritually dead, meaning he was separated from God. He passed that same dead nature on to all of his offspring. It is only the convicting work of the Holy Spirit that can pick the conscience of any man in this world today. You can't do it and I can't do it. Only the Spirit of God can do it, can make us alive, can quicken a dead Person and make them alive, way in Christ. Now, a trespass is what Adam did. He stepped over God's boundaries. Sin means to miss the mark. We just don't come up to God's standard at all. That is our condition, dead in trespasses and sins and energized by Satan. That is the description of us before we are saved. And every unsaved person is walking around in this world like a spiritual zombie, dead, although energized by Satan. Today when Christians talk about being separated from the world, they think of that which is fleshly or carnal or godless. Well, the characteristic sins of the lost world are the mental and spiritual sins, and these are actually in God's sight. Worse than the physical sins Listen to James 4 Verse 1 to verse 4 Where do wars and fights Come from among you Do they not come from your desires for pleasure That war in your members You lust and do not have You murder and covet And cannot obtain You fight and war Yet you do not have because you do not ask You ask and do not receive Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That is frightening, my friend. John puts it even in this way, in First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. My friend, do you really long for the coming of the Lord, for the rapture of his church? It is wonderful to talk about but i would like to ask you some very soul-searching questions will you weep when you leave this world because you are so wrapped up in this world are you all wrapped up in a job or in a business in a home or in some club or even in a worldly church would you be reluctant to go to heaven would you be reluctant to go with the lord jesus because everything will be changed This is the way Simon Peter described the lost world. 2 Peter 2 verse 15 to 16. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Boer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey, speaking with a man's voice, strained the madness of the prophet. Now, this is the picture of the lost world. Do you, as a child of God, fit into this picture? Or you will actually be ready to leave everything in this world. Friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God. Verse 3 also said, Among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Now, I want you to notice... What Paul says, he says we, he includes himself. It is the first person plural pronoun that he adopts. He puts himself right with the crowd, and you and I need to do the same. This verse could be amplified to read, among whom also we all had our conduct, our activities, our lifestyle. In past times, in the desires of the flesh, that is our old nature doing the desires of the flesh and of the thoughts, our old nature and our mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as others. Now, unfortunately, there are Christians today who live for that old canon nature. They live just like the man of the world is living today. Their lifestyle is prompted and motivated by a godless philosophy and is controlled by satanic principles. In this section of the second chapter of Ephesians, Paul is giving a description of the past, present and future of the church and of all the believers. God has already revealed to us our future as well as our past and present. Here is Ephesians 2 verse 4 to verse 6. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now again, the little conjunction is very important. It is here. But God who is rich in mercy, on account of his great love, With which he loved us, he made us alive together with Christ. My friend, God is rich in mercy. He had mercy on me. He has had mercy on you. This is such a radical change from the first three verses, which were as black and hopeless as anything can be. Man is a complete failure. He is incapable of saving himself. God comes on in the scene of death with his mercy. He does not have too little mercy. He does not even come too late. He has surplus, for he is an infinite God who is rich in infinite mercy. He has what man needs. He has what you need. The only requirement is that you believe in him, my friend. Actually, A story is told of a poor woman from the slums of London who was invited to go with a group of people to a holiday at the seashore or at the ocean there. She had never seen the ocean before, and when she saw it, she burst into tears. Those around her thought it was strange that she should cry when such a lovely holiday had been given her. So they asked her, Why in the world are you crying? And the woman responded, pointing to the ocean, she answered, This is the only thing I have ever seen that there was enough of. Listen to this again. This is the only thing I have ever seen that there was enough of. My friend, God has oceans of mercy. Enough of it. There is enough of it. He saves us by His grace. Now, what does it mean to be saved by the grace of God? We were dead in sin, in trespasses, and completely incapable of saving ourselves. And God comes on the sin and by grace, He reaches down to us. Why does He do it? He does not find the reason in us. He finds the reason in Himself. The reason is, God is rich in mercy. So God has lifted us out of our spiritual graveyard. Our present position is that He has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a glorious present time experience we have. What a wonderful picture that is given. But just in case we think only about our present position, what is our future? Ephesians 2 verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You see, the truth here is that someday I am going to be on the exhibit, I'm going to be put there on the shore. Angels will go by and say, see that fellow Asaphat, He was lost and was not worthy serving, but he is here in heaven today. It is only through the grace and kindness of God that he has been saved and brought here. That is going to be for the praise of God throughout eternity. I'm going to join that angelic host in singing praises to God because he saved me. This is the most wonderful expectation that we have. It is through grace. It is the amazing grace, as the hymn writer John Newton put it, that served a wretch like me. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and verse 9. For by grace you have been served through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now these are the great verses that... Consummate this section on the believers' past, present, and future. We were dead in trespasses and sin. God saved us by his grace, raising us now to heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we will someday be in heaven, displaying the grace of God. None of this depends on our own works or merit. That is why we are told, for by grace you have been saved. The great emphasis is upon the grace of God. It is God's favor bestowed on an unworthy and undeserving sinner. Friend, your salvation rests upon the grace of God, not upon your faithfulness. You can be confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians one verse six. It is not an I hope so salvation or an I will try salvation. It is a salvation that is by the grace of God, by means of faith, and it is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Out of God's infinite treasure chest, he lavishes his grace upon sinners without restraint or hindrance. That is why. Even in the story of the woman said, he has enough of it. Now faith is the instrumental cause of salvation. Spagion actually said, It is not thy joy in Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not thy hope in Christ that saves thee. It is Christ. It is not even thy faith in Christ, though that be the instrument. It is Christ's blood and merit. That is a fitting description. You see, faith is the only element that the sinner brings to the great transaction of salvation. Yet, it too is the gift of God. God has made it very clear that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you want to trust Christ, you will have to listen to the word of God. God will give faith to all who give heed to the message of the gospel. Paul is not talking about faith when he says, And that not of yourselves. He is talking about salvation. Salvation is a gift that eliminates boasting. It is all of God and not of us. It is God's gift. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. The Greek word here is poema, from which we get our word poem. The church is God's poem and his new creation Paul is not talking about the local church here, but rather about the body of believers from the day of Pentecost to the rapture. The real believers, and most of them are members of local churches, that body of believers is the workmanship and his creation in Christ Jesus. For what are we created? For good works, my friend. When we get to the last part of this epistle, we will be told, how we are to walk in a way that is credible and acceptable to God. While we are seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, we are to walk down here in a way that will bring glory to His name. Please, let's do so to the glory of His name. You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies please send an email to info at twrafrica.org. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. Let me repeat that email address for you. info at twrafrica.org.